Welcome to the Weekden Update, your weekly dose of everything Grizzlies presented by the Grizzden Podcast and the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Will Walker, and I'm joined every week by John Kraft. How's it going, John? Uh, it could be better as far as the Grizz universe, but in general, I'm doing well. The Grizzlies are 0-3. That is tied for last in the NBA and the Western Conference, obviously. They're 26th in offense with 103 rating, 13th in defense with 108.5 rating. They're 24th in net rating, which that's at a negative 5.5. We start every podcast with who's up and who's down. So, John, I'll let you start. Who's up for you? Uh, who's up for me? Um uh, th- there's a couple candidates, but uh, because one of them didn't play all three games, but I'm just gonna say who's up would be Tillman. He has not played perfectly. Uh, in fact, I would say the third last night's game against the Wizards, he was not uh, as good as he has been, but he has just been solid. He is like as far as the way the Grizzlies have been the last two three years of plug and play, next man up. I just think Tillman has done everything you would want him to do. He is being who we want and hope him to be. Uh, you know, could he finish a couple more <laughs> shots around the rim? Yes. But grabbing boards, playing really good defense, including against the best player in the world on Friday night in the Jokic, uh, I just think he's he's up in just the sense that he was someone who I didn't even, like most of us I think thought wouldn't be on the roster. Uh, to now it's like, oh man, he's just he's just a really good solid player. Um, and, and he's, and that's just, that's a position I'm not as worried about. So I've got more on Tillman later, uh, yeah. but my who's up is Marcus smart already. He's second on the team in points, first in assists, first in steals. To me, he's been everything that, uh, was marketed before the season started and more. And the more is the intangible aspect. Like I already yeah. can see why the Celtics, just absolutely loved him and everything about him. He was the first man up off the bench every time uh, when there was a timeout and he wasn't playing, like the the encourager of the group. You heard his press conference after game one where it's really easy to be down after a tough game, and he was the one that said, guys, it's just one game out of 82. And so he's been – he is the leader, I think, right now in terms of morale. Obviously, Bain Bain he's looking for every time down the floor. So Bain's going to be like the – Grizzlies marketed leader, but I think Smart is the the engine behind it all, and so it's been a it's been a great revelation for yeah. me to see Marcus play. Uh, my who's down is Kenny Lofton Jr. Uh, with the lack of bigs playing with Stephen Adams out, and then Santi Aldama who has yet to play a game. You and I both thought, and probably a lot of Grizzlies fans thought that Kenny Lofton Jr. would have an opportunity, especially when we talked about preseason what the the extra roster spot might mean when we're going to sign a center, which we saw that yeah. news as well, which we'll get to. But he has only played five minutes thus far and hasn't made a huge impact. You had his dad already on Twitter uh, expressing um, concern about uh, the lack of playing time and questioning some coaching decisions there. But uh, my who's down is Kenny Lofton Jr. Okay, my who's down would be uh, David Roddy, honestly, I, I've been uh, kind of what I was uh, the opposite of Tillman. And it's like Tillman's doing what we want him to do. Roddy is not. I've been very disappointed. Uh, he did. You know, he's actually not shot it terribly. Uh, but my big issue has just been turnovers, weird decision making um, in a way that I just was not expecting from someone so old. Like Zaire's had a little bit of that. But but for Roddy, he's an older player. Um, I just expected more of him as far as not turning the ball over. Uh, just 
having a little more confidence. He just seems very unsure, and and that's just really surprising from what I expected on of him. I've been really disappointed. So he's my who's down. Let's get to our news and notes before we get to the games from from this past week. We have to talk about the signing that's hasn't ha- hasn't yet happened technically, but Shams announced last night that the Grizzlies would plan to sign Bismack Biombo, uh, who is the center that we actually referenced on our last podcast. I think he was number one on my list out there of the free agents to sign who are at the center position and seem to fit what we need in this 20 game. He's going to be signed in the, uh, uh, on the sixth game uh, in time for that. And so I think Thursday is the day where he can actually uh, – he can actually finalize the deal. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Bismack Biombo, he's been sort of an NBA journeyman. He's only 31 years old, though. I could have sworn he was in his like mid 30s. Uh, six foot nine, but he plays above his height for sure. 31 years old, like I said. He last year had an 18.3% defensive rebounding percentage. Just by comparison, Jaron is at like a 15.2, and that 3% gap is is a huge one when you're talking about like percentile overall in the league, 9.8% offensive rebound. Jaron, by comparison, is at a 5.8%. And then also Bismack Biyombo and Jaron were both in the 100th percentile of block percentage. So he is, he's, a, he's a screener that is just perfect for that complementary role that we've seen Steven Adams play with Jaron. And not that he's going to be, you know, any sort of force per se, but he's going to fill in hopefully some gaps of what we need. And uh, I was encouraged by that announcement. What do you think? Yeah, no, I was good. Obviously, uh, in the podcast we recorded last week, he was one of the first names you threw on there as here's a guy to get for that 20-game uh, run that we're going to get after game after Jaws roster spot becomes available. So, so I was glad that uh, I, th- I mean, I was, it, I, t- you know, then said that would be a great, I think that's great. Obviously I think he's kind of just like, he's a poor man's version of Steven Adams. Uh, the one big thing is just, he's not going to be a great passer, but as far as the sc- setting screens and, and just getting rebounds and just being a physical presence in the paint, uh, I think he will be very helpful for us. All right, let's get to the games. What was the biggest takeaway that you had from these three losses thus far? Oh, man. So the the one, I mean, kind of just the thematic takeaway for me was just uh, trying to figure out who we are in a post-Adams world and just – we're just in survival mode, honestly. I just think with all the injuries and kind of – reshaping who we are how we're going to win games because it's the the theme over the three one of the harder parts I know you'll, you'll you might have seen more trends is and there's a few but the really hard thing is just it's like we lost a different way in all three games and we played a different way and there wasn't this um this sense this overall sense of oh well, you know, we we won the possession battle, we dominated the paint, but we missed a bunch of outside shots, which I think has been our issue in the past. Uh, we're actually struggling in the paint. Um, and, you know, like last night against the Wizards, we shot really well, but just shot horribly in the paint and turned the ball over a bunch, you know. And so there's this weird sort of how are we going to win? And I feel like we're really trying to figure that out, especially when, honestly, we're just without five of our best best rotation players. I mean, that looking in the year, we're down five guys right now who would have, you know, played in a rotation. 
Uh, one of them we knew in Brandon Clark. One of them we knew for 25 games in Jaw. Steven Adams, obviously there was a possibility, uh, but but that uh, that came you know right before the season. And then we definitely were not expecting to not have Luke Kennard and Santi Aldama. And that just the, the accumulation of all those things just means we're asking a lot of guys to do things I don't know if they're prepared to do. And so you get this sort of weird shakeup. So that's so in that sense, it's just kind of like it, it's hard, and it's almost like, man, I wish we could, you know, if we had put the effort we gave against the Nuggets, we would have won the other two games with that effort. We just decided to play our best game against the best team in the world, and we decided to play our worst game against the worst team in the world. And that's just like, unfortunately, that's sort of how it goes. Yeah, I went ahead because I was I was thinking through what what is to blame for the three losses. And of course, number one, you have to say is injury. Yeah. Uh, I ranked the players in order of what I thought, you know, if you were forcing me to just put them one through 15 in terms of if they're healthy, uh, where, where do I rank them in terms of the roster? I have John number one, Jaron number two, Bain number three, I actually have Marcus Smart number four, Luke Kennard, I put at number five, Steven Adams, number six, Brandon Clark, number seven, Santi Aldama, eight, Tillman, nine, Zaire, 10, Conchar, 11, Roddy, 12, Rose, 13, Laravia, 14, Junior Lofton, 15. You could argue with me about how those guys yeah. are ranked, of course. But by my count, the the five guys that are injured are our number one player and then our number five, six, seven, and eight players. Right. And you look at what I think has been the culprit, like the number two point of the culprit has been the bench. And you think about Luke Kennard, Brandon Clark, Santi Aldama would be your first three off the bench. And that's what you're missing. And when you when you go even further, right. down, and, and the other part of this too is Kennard, Stephen Adams, BC, um, really, I would say Stephen Adams, BC, and even Ja to an extent, are these types of players that fit inside of a bigger team concept and have the ability to elevate that team concept uh, if you have the right pieces around, obviously Jaron, Bain, and Smart to me are a bit more flexible in how you can fit them in any team concept. But like, so the guys that we're missing are so specialty. Um, you know, Jaws the superstar, and then Stephen Adams does the dirty work. Luke Kennard is the elite shooter, and then BC, of course, you have to have some shooters around him. But he's the hustle guy. It's just like the perfect storm of who we're missing. And if you move forward to even look at the bench right now, I pulled our quarter by quarter plus minus totals yeah. first quarter we're a minus seven thus far through three games second quarter minus 24 yeah and you look at you look at the the trends and you see second quarters obviously where you play most of your bench and then third quarter's minus three fourth quarter is a plus 16 so it's, yeah. i mean it's very very obvious where the weak weak right. spots are and i'll get a bit more into no. like unpacking that bench uh that bench unit that we have to work with right now. Uh, but what are any more thoughts that you no, have? No, I mean, and I think we're just going along with that. And we didn't have, and we didn't have Conchar who you had again uh, in front of a bunch of other bench guys. We didn't have him for game one. Yep, and honestly, true. I think he didn't play as much last night, but I think that is this, he was gone for most of the preseason due to personal reasons. So they kept him out game one. They played him a lot of minutes in game two because he played really well. And I, he played limited minutes last night. And I think that was really just, he just couldn't do it. He just, you know, uh, was not in the right shape compared to everybody else coming off of back-to-back, -back, which is another thing too. You know, I mean, that back-to-back -back sense, it's also just an accumulation effect. Is I, I personally think that like a Derrick Rose – 
normally with a full healthy roster probably would not have played last night in a back to back. And, and, and a lot of these guys, we would have minutes would have been different, but we have to play all the guys we have because we just don't have that many guys. And so you see a you know, so you see a Derek Rose actually have a really good game against the Nuggets and his plus minus last night was okay, but I'll tell you watching the game, I felt like he was struggling big Agreed. time, turn the ball over in some key times, miss some defensive assignments. Uh, and that, and that to me is not only is he older, you just can't expect somebody his age to have when he, if he plays really well in one game against against a really good team to come back the very next day and have a good game again. So yeah, so it's just that that accumulation of that is just really really hard. And so I just think injuries is by far the biggest factor going on. Um, and you know, and I'll say also just you know people get upset and. You know, if we lost three games in the middle of the season, it would feel less. It feels bigger losing the first three games. And so I hope, I hope we get a win soon, and we'll get to that later. Uh, but but one of the things that, you know, it is hard to look at and say, man, the first game we just didn't shoot well. They shot better than us. Game two, we played the best team. like we And we actually played really well, and maybe we can get into that game more. And then last night was a back-to-back, and guess what? Every single team that played the first back-of-back of the season lost in the NBA this season. And I know it's frustrating because we played a bad team in our back to back, but that's, but that's sort of, I mean, as frustrating I am, that is the case and it still sucks, but it's, but like that all three of our losses, even with like take away the injuries. Like if you just look at the data would be explainable. Um, That doesn't make it any better, but I just think that is like the, we're not, you know, and the secondly, we're also, we're not getting killed. Like some of these other teams, I mean, like if I'm the Jazz, I'm upset right now because we played a Phoenix Suns team with Kevin Durant um, and a bunch of fed minimums because Devin Booker, uh, you know, and Bradley Bill sat out and we lost by like 25 points. And of course they're saying, well, it was a back to back. Well, we came out of back to back and we actually were competitive. We were competitive in all three of these games. Like we could have won any of these three games. And that's, what's so hard about that. zero and three start. But I think at least that's a little encouraging to me as well. That I feel like that team culture thing is still there. Like we're like, we could have just decided to wrap it up down 25 against the wizards, but we brought it back. And honestly, except for some kind of clutch, mess ups that I take to be some new guys on our team and people playing that shouldn't be playing. Uh, I think we could have won that game last night. If you look at the starter unit, we're plus six when our uh, overall thus far uh, yeah. with our five starters and notably Zaire Williams is starting and Xavier Tillman is starting. Right. And those are two guys that aren't expected to be in your best five man unit moving forward, especially with everyone healthy and back from suspension. Uh, to break down the the bench woes a little bit more, so we have, I'm going to go in order of possessions played thus far for our five guys that have played off the bench. David Roddy, 138 possessions. He's a minus 3.1. That's still 52nd percentile. And I would say that his turnovers have been extremely notable. He played probably his worst game I've ever seen him play in that Nuggets game. It was yeah. just... I mean, he was actively hurting uh, us in and, that respect. And he also tends to turn it over in a way that the other team scores, too. 100%. Really because he's usually driving. He's usually the one trying to make the play. I will say he's second right now on the team in three-point shooting. And that's really what's keeping him, I would say, out of the real analytics yeah, doghouse I would be right super what's down on him if he hadn't been hitting those yeah, corner Yeah, he's shooting threes. 44% right now. Um, Derek Rose has played the second most possessions off the bench. He's a minus 5.2. That's 45th percentile. So, you know, he, he've had, he, he has had his moments. 
you know, the forum gets rocking when Derrick Rose comes in, as expected. And, um, you know, I moving forward, I everybody who's listened to this now for the last couple of months knows my thoughts on Rose, and I think there's some um, areas where that has been confirmed in my eyes of the concerns there, but he overall, I think, has had some moments, and he hasn't been the reason why we've lost. Um, John Conchar, 111 possessions, only a minus 0.5 because normally he's playing with all these other bench dudes who have been really struggling. And it's amazing because that minus 0.5 is 73rd percentile. So like yeah. that's still in almost the top quarter right. here in, in his two games that he's played. If he had played three, he would have easily been my what's up. I'll just throw that yeah. out there oh, right now. Trust me. I, I called for it before the Nuggets game. And gosh, it, he delivered. And, and just so many little ways that you have to watch the game. Yeah. You I do. love what you called him the, the walking extra possession. I, oh, I yes. love that. 100%. Um, yeah. That's what he is and then we get down to here's the entree um jake laravia 101 possessions minus 19.4 that is second percentile i just don't see much that's encouraging about laravia he has a really pretty looking shot uh he made a turnaround jumper in the nuggets game that looked pretty good he made he's made a couple threes in other parts of the game with his size um and what is his theoretical uh, playmaking ability, and I, I just, I just had a lot more hope, I guess, going in. And at the same time, I didn't. <laughs> it's kind of like I feel like I know what Jake is, and it's not somebody who comes in and makes winning plays. Um, if you're not going to be taking a whole bunch of sh- bunch of shots with his skill set, frankly, I'm not sure why you're out there. And so that's to me the biggest adjustment that has needs to be made and I think it will be because you saw the first preseason game like he was definitely like the 11th man and we obviously had Santi Aldama out there we had Luke Kennard out there so I don't expect Loravia to get these big minutes but I think it's very indicative of what we're going to get when he does get these opportunities because it's not looking good thus far and he would be I mean he's at the very bottom of my list right now of who needs to be playing in these games. Finally you have Kenny Lofton, only 13 possessions, but he was a minus 9.1 in those 13 possessions. So overall you take out Loravia and Lofton, you have a big positive in my opinion in Conchar. Roddy and Rose has just been a mixed bag and you really need Roddy to pop more than he has. Um, but yeah, that's to me, the Laravia number was absolutely shocking when I looked at it. No, I mean, it's been very disappointing. I mean, that's, I mean, we're looking, you know, at that draft class because that's, that's sort of, we've drafted so well. Um, and you know, even our one worry about Aldama is kind of, you know, basically we've 180 on Aldama because he's looked really, really good, but, but I am definitely waiting. I mean, we're trying to be patient with, with Roddy and Laravia especially, but yeah, I mean, it looks like. Uh, you know, right now it, there's just not much promising there for Laravia, and and again, you know, I'm 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 feeling Kenny Lofton uh, right now. It's very much that like he's got uh, about 22 more games left on a Grizzlies roster. Because if Biombo pops for us, yes, and we could use him the rest of this season, right. you're you're cutting that last yeah. roster spot and you're signing Biombo to a, a one year deal. Yeah. Um, can I zoom through a, a couple more stats? Yeah, with you? sure. That'd be great. Um, the the encur- here's some encouragement for everybody after all those down yes. numbers. Santi Aldama and Luke Kennard. I took what their numbers were without John Morant and without Steven Adams on the floor last year. Santi Aldama was a plus two point two, and this is with a 
very big sample size. And then Luke Kennard was a plus 6.3. There's obviously concern. Luke Kennard was, in my opinion, one of the main reasons we lost against New Orleans. He has to shoot a lot better than he did, um, especially when he's as wide open as he was. Um, He's had some, there's been some conspiracy theories about his injury, um, about, you know, what's happening with the roster. I know I heard Chris Vernon talk about that, um, where guys are kind of like looking in, behind them and nervous about a deal that's going to get done with them. I don't think that's the case with Luke Kennard, in my opinion. I think he's going to get right uh, yeah. because we have a lot of data that indicates that he is. So that's encouragement. When they come back, our bench unit should look a lot more um, improved. Right. Uh, also, a couple other final reasons to blame for the lost turnovers. 11% was like the median last year. And you go down the list of our guys right now on turnover percentage. Uh, Marcus Smart, 17%. Zaire Williams, 16.9%. Xavier Tillman, 15.4%. Desmond Bain, 12.2%. David Roddy, 17.4%. Derek Rose, 14%. John Conchar, 13%, which he's not a turnover guy at all. And then um, Luke Kennard at 12 It's just every single guy except for Jaron Jackson uh, is is over that 11% mark in turnovers. And that's just been like the Achilles heel of this team thus far. Right. Final thing I'll say Three-point shooting, that's been the obvious struggle. We, right now, are first in the entire NBA of the percentage of shots that are three-pointers in terms of field goal attempts. We 43.7% of our shots are threes. Yeah. We're only 19th, though, in three-point percentage. Uh, we are 51.4% on corner threes, though. Like, yeah. that's where we are making our money, 25% on above-the-break right. threes, which is everything that's right. not on the corners. So that's the issue. It's the above the break threes. But if in our offense, which the way it's flowing right now, you can tell we're trying to, um, you know, when you penetrate, you're trying to look outside and you're putting guys in the corners that can hit shots. And uh, that's where we're, that's where we're coming back in these games that we've been falling behind. And so it's encouraging because I want, us to evolve into a team that can do a bit more of that. Yes. Obviously we need the field goal percentage to increase, but um, yeah, that's, that was just, those numbers were also surprising to me. So. Right. Well, so one, the big thing, uh, and that I think, and this is where people should have hope because it's, it's very striking because we are used to with both uh, with having Jaha, who's one of, has the, one of the best handles in the NBA and you have Tyus who is the best at not turning the ball over in the NBA. He just does not turn it over. So it is very striking that we've had a lot of guys turn over, especially on the dribble, these first three games. And part of that is, honestly, Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose turn the ball over more uh, than Tyus Jones. Now, I think that Marcus Smart brings way other things to the table, and we've talked about the Tyus Jones thing. Uh, but so we, are, we have brought in two new guys to our rotation who are both – point guard guards we have also installed a new offense these are all things that make for more turnovers and this is one of the beauties of basketball is we do have an 80 games 82 game season uh you peak at the end because you develop chemistry and all these sorts of things and this is one of the issues we have a little less continuity this year now we throw on that injuries you throw on that people not being available it just makes it even worse and especially, honestly, in like the Adams, the Aldama, you have a bunch of people in the rotations now playing with people they didn't even probably play with in practice. And so just all of that compounds to make some turnovers. And so you do have things like, you know, just 
multiple times we just have guys cutting and when people don't expect them to cut and they throw the ball out of bounds. So I expect those things to go. And the other thing is I would say is, yeah, I just think uh, part of and part of a new offense, too, is getting used to where you are, where you're getting the ball. I mean, in the Nuggets game alone, Desmond Bain had, I think, four wide open three pointers in the first quarter of the Nuggets game and just missed them all. Like, who knows if Desmond Bain's on fire and goes three for four in that first quarter, that Nuggets game could be a totally different game. Same thing. We, the game one uh, against the Pelicans, we shot five for 21 on open threes five for 21 and and while we're not used to having a great shooting team it wasn't we didn't we don't have uh, these are terrible shooters who can't hit open threes and I just think those are the things that will uh solve themselves you know I do think we're going to shoot better and and I do like that our offense seems to be creating open looks we just have to hit them like Luke Kennard Best three-point shooter in the NBA last year went 0 for 5. Uh, you know, I just think that's just not going to happen very often. So so, so I think there are those sort of reasons to be encouraged. The other thing that I think that I'm also encouraged by is, yes, we gave up a lot of defensive rebounds. Uh, we had a 15 deficit against the Pelicans. You know, I blame some of that on us just missing a ton of shots. Uh, but we have not just been getting destroyed on the board so far over three games. We have done, I think overall, like we haven't, we haven't just been decimated in the possession battle. Um, and if we have, it's been more turnovers than rebounds that I think in general, although people are going to always complain about Jaron's rebounding numbers. I do think he is doing a good job of boxing out his man. And I think we're team rebounding. Well, and I think that was a huge worry, Steven Adams. And that has been, I felt better about that, uh, than, than I think I would have uh, before the season started. Yeah, you looked at what was the most competitive game against the Nuggets of this three-game stretch, and if you look down just the team stats, everything is almost identical. It was actually spooky. At that, at, at like the third quarter, I was looking up at the board at the game, and I just... Everything was almost matching. We were actually leading in rebounding, which was not typical especially after we were at, at a minus 15 rebounding margin in the in the pelicans game which can be explained by all the missed threes mm-hmm. uh and at the same time it was the three-point percentage and i felt like after the the game that bain had against the pelicans i think i mean everyone in in the grizz grizz nation if you will was like wow okay this is going to be an every night thing like and unfortunately bane has to do this every night right to give us a shot and then he comes out against the nuggets and then uh, frankly too against the wizards early on yeah. and just couldn't hit a shot yeah. in the first half of those games and um yeah you're just not going to win if your best player your best offensive player doesn't hit his shots uh, and you need a lot more, a lot more in terms of your reserves, which is why, again, I go back to the bench and just the struggles there. Um, what else did you see from these three games before we move on? To yeah, I mean, week? I think that's one. I just think that uh, for Bain, I think life as uh, main offensive uh, player and also top facilitator and someone who's trying to play a lot of play really good defense, and I just think. It's going to take him a while to get used to it. I actually think he's capable of that. Um, but I think with the Nuggets, I mean, one of those things where he did get a lot of open shots, he didn't make them. And then and then just like they basically were like KCP was just on him. And they were they were and they were hedging another guy every time Bane got the ball. And obviously, 
with, with if we have jaw, that's just not happening. And and but that is what Bain's going to have to do for these first twenty five games. And I, and I think this is one of those things that's sad now, but long term will pay awesome dividends. Uh, for him, but he's just going to have to get used. And I think in the Wizards game, he felt that out and then had a really good second half compared to the first, but he's going to have to really pick his spots. Um, I do think that, that some of that just being wind and stuff, he's not finishing around the rim as well as he did last year. So I'm a little concerned about that. And that's just in general, that's a big trend for us. We're just not the point. We're just not a paint points in the paint dominant team like we used to be. And that's not shocking when jaw and Steven Adams are gone. And that's the thing that I think we're going to have to figure out. But I do – I liked in the Nuggets game, we got to the free throw line way more. We attacked more. I, I, I'd i like for us to get back with that, I think, in the Wizards and the Pelicans because, like, it seems like these teams that aren't that great defensively, we're, like, sort of settling for threes. I mean, I like the amount of threes we're shooting, but I think sometimes – we settle a little too early just because they're not guarding in the same way, but the nuggets actually playing better, more aggressive defense on us, like forced us to not be able to shoot threes because we're actually being guarded and to drive more. And I would like to see a little bit more of that. I know we're missing jaw and, but I just think we need to get the line a little bit more because that's also been another thing, you know, just we need to create a little bit more points in the paint and not just be completely reliant on the three. What do you say to those people that are ready to tank that are um, sounding every alarm bell that we have after these three games and what we've seen. Yeah, I would say that that the first game was a shot variance game. The second game, we played literally the team that I and many other people think are going to repeat as NBA Finals. And by the way, uh, and then we played the Wizards on a back-to-back uh, where I think I, – I walked out of the gym against the Nuggets. I don't know if you did. And I was telling Lee, I was like – I was like uh, – I actually was excited that we looked that good against the Nuggets, but I was also like, but I just don't know how we're going to come out against the Wizards because we expended a lot of energy to stay with the Nuggets, and that scared me. And so it doesn't surprise me that we had that really flat first half against the Wizards. But I would say with all that, one thing that encourages me is we, we're down and out. Uh, we played three teams that are all fully healthy. I mean, those teams have all of their best guys, all of their starters, including the Nuggets, and, and we stayed with all of them and had chances to win all three games. We didn't get blown out by 20. Uh, we didn't look terrible. And I think the fact that we were competitive in all three games uh, should bring us forward. And, you know, and I think two of those teams are good teams, one being a great team. But, I mean, the Pelicans are going to be a hovering around 500 team. I think fully healthy, we're better than them. I think we should have won that game. Uh, you know, obviously the Wizards game was a disappointment. And so... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but but I just think that if we had lost three games in February, nobody would be skies falling because we'd have a bigger sample size. And so I think com- this is all we have. This is all of. we have. And I think that there's some the uh, a lot of the narratives that people are worried about, like, oh, well, we're going to look weird on offense because we don't have Tyus Jones. We're going to just get killed on the boards. You know, we're just we don't have enough people all, you know, all these young draft picks aren't good enough. Like some of these narratives are sort of playing out. And so I think that feeds into the, oh, we're just not as good, you know, as we think we are. And the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, I don't know if we're going to go six and four, which was my first in game prediction uh, anymore. Maybe I'm liking your five and five a little better. Uh, but we also, when we made those predictions, did not expect Aldama and Luke Kennard uh, to miss time. 
But uh, but with that, you know, two years ago, our favorite team, the team that like made everybody in the NBA fall in love with them, that won like fifty six games and had this great. Guess what? They started out six and four. Uh, like it it happens. Like we don't need to. We need to like take a breath and be okay with zero and three. Now, if we come back and we're one and nine, you know, two and eight. Well, then maybe it's time to get a little nervous. But even then, I would say until we get Jaw back and see how we look with Jaw, I don't think we should we should panic uh, in any way. Yeah, I I think one and nine would be would be tough uh, to yeah. deal with for sure because to me that means that we're seeing these trends that we've identified as you know potential problems down the line. We're seeing them continue, um, and if we if our bench plays up to what I think they can. And we get Santi and Luke back. I, I don't. I will be concerned in terms of just like this season and what the viability of our, um, you know, playoff seating will be. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not totally absolving every every bit of of the last three games. However, if let's say we were to have had the Wizards game game one, and then let's say the Pelicans game game two, and then the Nuggets, you know, the third game in a back to back. Like I think we're looking at one and two or two and one. Like I don't right. think we're at zero and three. I do believe that the order of these games did matter, um, and what happened in them just can be really broken down. Like we've broken yeah. it down on these uh, in these last like ten minutes to you know shooting and then a real lack of depth and yeah. uh, disappointment by your fringe players who hopefully will yeah. not be getting a ton of minutes. Well, and that's, line. you know, and, and we haven't had the Roddy game, the game. And I look at, at the three teams we played and it was, it was a Matt Ryan, um, not the, not the, the old Falcons quarterback, you know, but the Matt Ryan who came out and had this crazy game uh, scoring like 20 points. You then had Peyton Watson, rookie, come out of nowhere and play awesome for the Nuggets. And then, of course, yesterday you had uh, – uh, what's his name? Um, oh. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, Ka- uh, no, well, yeah, Kyle Kuzma. But, yeah, Corey Kispert. Yeah, Kispert. Too. Go for like 22 points. And so, you know, I mean, I could say I'm a little annoyed because I do think we like to leave – some lesser players open sometimes and let them get hot. But, uh, but at the end of the day, like we've had a fringe guy go off in all of our games for the other team. And we're due for one of those, you know, we're due to have one of our guys do something like that. So let's, uh, let's pause for a quick message from our sponsors and then we'll get into what we need to know for this upcoming week. All right, let's talk about this week. We have uh, the Mavericks coming to town. The game is on Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, right now, the Mavericks are third on offense and 23rd in defense. We then, on Wednesday, have a game in Utah uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time. Right now, Utah's 15th on offense, 30th on defense. And then on Friday, we have a game at 9 p.m. Central Time in Portland. Uh, Portland right now is 23rd on offense and 28th in defense. And so 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and 9 p.m., we had a 6 p.m. game last Friday. So they are really keeping us on our toes (laughs) in terms of our calendar. But uh, let's look ahead to these three games. Obviously, Luka Doncic is the the player right now for the Mavericks. He has over 40% usage, which if you're not familiar with that term, it means basically like the uh, shots and assists and plays uh, that are resulting from the ball being in Luca's hands. Uh, that is just an astounding number, and it's exactly what we expected. He's been playing very well, just 
pulled a complete rabbit out of his hat in one of these games down the stretch to have Dallas win. Um, they are, to me at least, a team that is beatable if you can control Luka. They have... Uh, they're almost as thin as we are when you look down the roster, like in where they sit right now today. Uh, and it's going to be a challenge, but I'm glad it's at home. Uh, I think we have, you know, obviously a big rest day that's happening. We're recording on Sunday, by the way, that's happening right now. And we'll be ready to get a win. I think we'll be a little bit hungrier than the Mavericks. What do you expect for that? No, I expect that too. I mean, again, this is a team that you want to be able to attack the paint against, uh, we did that with the Nuggets, which is another team like that, that they don't really have like a classic rim protector. Um, so I hope we do that. I hope we take advantage of that. But they're just, I mean, I've, I, as as a Luka hater, known Luka hater, uh, and he's awesome. I, I still just don't like him. Uh, but I watched both the games they played. You know, they should have lost both games, honestly. Uh, the Spurs just kind of threw it away and were – did some weird stuff like I don't think Spurs are interested in maximizing their wins this year, but they were beating the Mavs almost the whole game until the very end. And then obviously the last game that you had the Luka magic of him hitting like them being down and then him hitting like three straight threes and threw a one handed three pointer yes, falling out of bounds. It, it reminded me of that terrible shot he hit against us a couple years ago, like a kind of a prayer shot that went in. Uh, banked, banked in, um, but they're not like they played two very average to below average teams and barely won. I think that's kind of where they are. I think if we come out and play well, we should beat them at home. Like, so I will be disappointed if we, if we don't look good and lose to the Mavs. I, I really do feel uh, pretty confident about this one. I think, and, and I, and honestly the, it'll be very, it'll be, I think really cool to watch Mark smart guard Luca. Yeah. Um, at Utah, they're a team who's rebuilding. They took, they really had their first season, I would say, in this kind of youth movement last year. Laurie Markkinen was a breakout player for them. He's still playing well again this year. They have some guys, you know, Jordan Clarkson. Walker Kessler is a really good rim protector down low. So, really, I wish we had Bismack Biombo one game earlier because yeah. he would be a good matchup for Kessler. So, Jaron will have his work cut out for him. So, will Tillman, obviously. Um, and then if you can keep, you know, Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson at bay, um, you know, they, they have some young guys, too, that they're trying to work in. So uh, Utah is a very difficult place to play, though, due to yes. the altitude. They, they and Denver have the best home court advantages, objectively, in the NBA. And so it's going to be, I think if we're 0-4 going to this game, I am going to worry because it does feel like one of those that's a toss-up with the roster that we currently have. Um, and then Portland on Friday, this is the one where I think they are they are in a full tank uh, they do not look good right now, and Scoot Henderson's exciting. But this is one where even, again, with the roster we have, if you have Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, uh, I think you have the two best players in, in the game. And this this right here, like I really and hope— And their best offensive player, Anthony Simons, is out. 100%. That's, that's so, a good note. Um, yeah. So to me, this is a 2 and one week. Um, hopefully— Yes. You can even go 3-0, and and I think that's realistic. It's on the table. Yeah. We have to make shots, obviously, to have that happen. Right. But Utah and Portland are two winnable games, and um, 
If I were to choose one, though, it would probably be Utah that I'm most worried about. Yeah, and and one thing I've watched Utah a couple times. So on my on our on uh, our fantasy league we're in, I I have Walter Kessler. So I'm 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 very frustrated right now because they're doing some weird stuff with him. Uh, the Hardy's trying to experiment with five out offenses and stuff in Utah, and so it's been very interesting. And so I actually like I think we are catching them at a good time early because they have just not looked good uh, for whatever reason. You know, Lori Markin still been good, but Jordan Clarkson had just kind of been weird. And uh, obviously when we lost, when we played them early last year and lost to them, they had a lot of guys they've now traded away. So they do have a little bit of a different energy and it does look like they're, um, they're not in that we're trying to maximize wins. I think they're trying to experiment with some stuff it feels like. And so hopefully despite the advantage um, and despite our injuries, hopefully we can catch them. And of course, then the other thing is, uh, you know, we will find out today, hopefully, but the hope is that Luke Kennard is back uh, for the Mavs game. And we hope that Aldam, we, there is an Aldama appearance this week. I mean, that would be the hope they did say day to day. Usually if it's more than like a week or two, they'll say one to two weeks, but they said day to day. So that would be the hope. I, I would be extremely excited if we saw Aldama Wednesday against the Jazz. Yep, for sure. That would be huge for us. Um, all right. Lastly, let's get to MVP of the week. I'll start us off. Uh, I have Xavier Tillman. Um, he is he was plus three against New Orleans, 17 points, 12 rebounds, absolutely held his own. Uh, and then the second game, I thought, you know, obviously he was less in terms of counting stats, but he held, held Nikola Jokic to 22 points, which I would venture to say that's going to be one of his lower uh, point totals this yep. season. And then uh, thirdly, he was two for two from three against Washington, uh, one of the rare players who actually shot well. And then he has already taken 10 threes this season thus far, and is shooting 40%. So I kind of joked about Tillman, this whole three-point thing yeah. early on, but the shot looks really good. If you look at him at the free throw line, too, you can tell he is, you know, he, he's really worked uh, this offseason to make, and that shooting stroke looks really good. Uh, I think he will be a threat from out there. Obviously, very small sample size right now, but Tillman was my most encouraging player, mainly because it was such a necessary component to our team to even survive the last three games. And he, he brought it home. Yeah. So uh, you have Tillman. I, I had Tillman in my what's up. He was a close and people are going to tell me I'm too much of a uh, Jaron lover on this one. But uh, I just, to me, Jaron, the, the one predictable thing in all of this has been, we're just incredible on defense when Jaron is on the floor um, you know, we win when he is on the floor, uh, even in the wizards game, even like I was laughing, we got destroyed in the first half and, uh, and yet he still was positive at the plus minus, uh, he was frustrating that first game, especially, um, he's been, he's, he's stayed out of getting fouled out, but he's had a little more foul issues than I would want. Uh, so it's not a perfect MVP, but I just am like the fact that when he's on the floor, we're an offense, we're an awesome defensive team. And he's been good on offense. And I actually think for him, it's still just them trying to figure out in the offensive flow how to get him more touches um, and, and those sorts of things and him getting used to double teamed. But so over that, because of that, I think Tillman's right there neck and neck with him. But I'll, I'll go with Jaron. Yeah, uh, it's hard to have an MVP. Yeah. When you've lost three games and, in a row, and so. and Bain was great in game one. I just he was too inconsistent in game two and three. Especially, I mean, honestly, he cost us a win in game two by just not being really bad, yeah. and just bad in multiple ways too, like like some turnovers and force and stuff. And so I just haven't seen Jaron hurt us 
uh, that, you know, if anything, I'd like him to be more aggressive and get shot attempts. But because of that, I'm going to go with Jaron for the MVP. Is Taylor Jenkins two for two on challenges? He is. Far this he season? is. That I just be. wanted to shout that out yes. as a little, uh, you know, honorable mention because that was one of his uh, infamous weak points the last yeah. few years. And so far, two for two is pretty good. Yes. So shout out Jenkins on that. And I thought they were two very important plays. Right. That like, he, I think he chose them well. There were a couple in the Wizards game yesterday I kind of wanted to do, but also they weren't like very huge. Uh, they weren't th- big momentum turning things, so he didn't. But Yep. Well, three huge games, obviously, with where the Grizzlies are sitting this week because uh, we uh, we do not want to get down too far before right. John Morant comes in. We don't want to necessarily uh, be questioning everything about the young guys that we've drafted the last few years. And also, uh, we have Bismack Biombos. Uh, you know, debut hopefully yeah. this coming Friday. So we're going to be watching for that. And I'm very hopeful. I just think the the grinding we did in the first three games, even though honestly we never really had it um, and to stay in these games, I think that's going to prove dividends this week. I hope so. Well, thanks for joining us in the second episode of the weekend update this season, but the first one that's felt normal. So <laughs> we're going to have this format uh, moving forward and we're going to try to to fit as much in in a uh, time constraint as possible. We're trying to go, you know, about 45 minutes, which we did today. So thanks to everybody for joining us. Please uh, subscribe to the Grizzden podcast now that the season is is rolling and is ramping up. Uh, you know, share share the episode with your friends. It really does help us for craft. I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next weekend.